Ho, Matakiwasan. Matakiwasan means I am you and you are me. My name is Brother Eagle Soaring, and I'm the artist that created the Matakiwasan. Matakiwasan means all of my relations. In Indian cultures at one time, in front of every teepee was a shield. It told everybody else in the tribe why you act the way you act. Through that great wisdom, you remember it from your school days, it's called the Confederation of Nations. It's when everyone understood everyone else. It's the six civilized nations that have gotten together of the, of the Indian culture. And through that great wisdom, the Indians were the only people in the entire world to accomplish 150 to 200 years with no wars. Why? Because everyone understood everyone else. Through that great wisdom, this is now coming back. Sun Bear wrote the book called The Medicine Wheel and brought back the wheel to all Indians in the 60s, began to teach it in the 70s and the 80s to many, many different people. Sun Bear is one who gave me permission to do the shields for people. And so this is a combination of that belief system. The original of this hangs in Grossmont Shopping Center in San Diego, California. This is a duplication of that that I do all over again from scratch. Everyone understood everyone else because everyone had a power animal. In the culture, when you went in, in front of every teepee was a shield. It told everybody in the tribe why you act the way you act. Through that great wisdom, the Indians were able to achieve that no wars, having no wars. First moon of the medicine wheel is a red-tailed hawk. The red-tailed hawk is the people that were born under this time period called budding trees moon, red-tailed hawk, or the beginning of everything. These people fly in and out of things sometimes without thinking. Their spirit keeper is Wabin, which is the eagle, and they are a Thunderbird clan member, which means they are fire elemental, very passionate at what they do, but they can get burnt out easy. The next moon in the medicine wheel is deer, I'm sorry, is beaver. Beaver is the power animal of these people, and it's called frogs return moon beaver. What does that mean? It means tadpoles are getting legs returning to frogs. So no matter what language you spoke, whether it was a Glala Sioux like me, if it was Cherokee, we could understand each other because we would understand where you came in and what you were about. These are the architects of the shield. Beaver is the power animal. Spirit Keeper is Wabin again. And they are turtle clan members. Their plan is the blue commas, and the medicine made from that plant would heal their afflictions being born under that moon. The next would be deer. Deer is sort of the Einstein of the shields. It's the one who thinks up everything. These people are multifaceted, and they're butterfly clan members, which means they are air elemental. They can do many different things, but they never finish anything. They start them. It's like Einstein. He started his projects. He delegated authority to get them completed because his mind is way too busy to stay at one any, any one thing. Dear people basically are wondering when they're going to have time to do what they can think up, and most people are wondering when they're going to have what they're going to do. So <laughs> these people are the creators. Their plant is yarrow. The medicine made from that plant would heal their afflictions. The next goes down, and it goes to flicker. Flicker is their power animal of the people of the south. Their spirit keeper is Shanandisi. And Shanandisi basically is in, in charge of flicker people, um, Sturgeon people and brown bear people. The spirit keeper of the south represents rapid growth and trust, 
and these are the workers, these are the adolescents, these are the people that have to get projects done. Flicker people are very emotional. Flickers fly up and down, up and down all the time. They're frog clan members, which means they are healers. They are water elemental. Sitting by a waterfall or stream would be very calming for those people. Their plant is the wild rose. The medicine made from that plant heals their afflictions. Their stone is garnelian agate or rose quartz. In fact, if you touch that mineral, it actually would calm you down because they vibrate to that frequency level. Next is sturgeon. These people are represented as royalty. They usually come in as the teachers. They basically have a very hard outer shell but a very soft underside. If you come with peace, love, and harmony, you can have every bit of them. If you come any other way, you only get bits and pieces of who they are. They're Thunderbird clan members, which means they are fire elemental, very passionate at what they do, but they can get burnt out if they don't pace themselves. Their plant, of course, is a raspberry. The medicine made from that plant would heal their afflictions. Their color is red. Their stone is garnelian agate. And, I mean, agate or iron, which represents their strength. Brown bear people are the analytical ones. They're basically the last moon of the south, and they come in in leadership abilities. They are turtle clan members, and we live on Turtle Island which is represented by the turtle. Their plant is a violet. The medicine made from that plant would heal most of their afflictions being born under that moon. Their color is purple and their stone is amethyst. These people are very analytical, like I said. They process everything upstairs. But they are the only people that can pick the lottery every single week. If we can get them to go with their very first thoughts. But they don't. They take it upstairs, take it apart, and lose the meaning of it. That's why these people all have very flat foreheads from hitting their head going, I knew that was going to happen. <laughs> Let's move over to the West. West is, the spirit keeper of the West is Mujikiwis, the great grizzly bear. And is in charge of these three people, raven, snake, and elk, in that order. Raven are a messenger to the gods. They're the ones who need to separate themselves from most people and stay with their own convictions, their belief systems. They are also butterfly clan members, the same as deer people. And their job this time is to take out the message, to bring the message to all people. And their plant is mullen, and the medicine made from the mullen plant would heal their afflictions. Their stone is jasper, and jasper is what they vibrate to, and that would be their healing stone. Um, next is snake. These are the medicine women, the medicine men. 67% of every medicine woman or medicine man ever born in Indian culture is born under that moon. Why? Because if you were born under that moon in Indian cultures, you were taught to be a medicine man or medicine woman because they knew you were the best at it more than anyone else. It doesn't mean that a deer couldn't be a doctor, but they wouldn't waste their time teaching me that being a deer person, they would take someone that already has the ability to heal just by their birthright. To show you how powerful that is, 42% of every single doctor in the United States is born under that moon. That's not an accident. What's on our medical staff? Of course, two snakes. Where did they get it from? Of course, the Indians, where we got everything from, including our Constitution of the United States came from this doctrine. Their plant is a thistle. The medicine made from that plant would heal their afflictions. And their clan membership is a frog clan, which means they are water elemental. 
using water to cleanse the body or flush the body would really work good for these people, or sitting by a stream or a waterfall is very calming to them. Next is elk. Elk is a Ralph Nader to shields. If anything isn't just, these people will bugle until they get it straightened out. Whether it's in a relationship or not, elk are the most just members. They're also leaders. They also are very stubborn sometimes. They're Thunderbird clan members, which means they are fire elemental, or they can burn out easy if they don't paste themselves. And their plant is the black spruce. The medicine made from that plant would heal their afflictions. And their stone is obsidian, which we made arrowheads out of. And they're also clairvoyant and can see things that others cannot see. Their color is black, which allows them to see the whole truth in any situation. Next, we'll move on up to the top here. Wonkatonka, Webos, the great white buffalo. You know the white buffalo was born in 94. I actually am creating a shield for it right now. Um, and Snow Goose is the first moon. They're the chiefs. They're the people who run things. They're the people that sit in the hierarchy and look over things from a higher perspective than most people. They're turtle clan members. They're connected to the Earth Mother. Although they fly high, they sometimes are looking down and they need to look up more. They're very nitpicky on little details, but they're wonderful people. Their color is white, which represents purity. Their stone is a quartz crystal, which means they can send messages over long distances without using the telephone. Their plant is a birch tree. The medicine made from that plant would heal their afflictions being born under that moon. And their spirit keeper, of course, is the great white buffalo, like I said. Next is otter. Otter people just assume everyone is their friend. They want to roll over and play. Otter people's purpose on the planet this time is to sit at the right-hand side of the great chief and high council. They've been on the planet many times before, and they basically come here to dissolve disputes between the mother, the father, and the child. People fighting would just raise hairs on their back. They would just say, why can't you people just get along? They just assume everyone is a friend. They want to get along with everybody. They're butterfly clan members. They're air elemental, multifaceted. In fact, they think one quarter step ahead of any other human being thought process. Most people don't understand otter people because the ground, the earth, is too mundane for them. They're more in the spiritual realms. Their plant is a quaking aspen, and the medicine made from the quaking aspen plant would heal their afflictions. Their color is silver. They vibrate to that frequency level, and their color also is silver. Cougar sits at the left-hand side of the chief in high council. They're frog clan members. Everybody looks up to them for advice. They're sort of like the psychiatrists. They work more in the mental realms than in the physical realms, but they also can be healers, being frog clan members, and they could fall into the realm of healing physically, but mostly mentally. They basically administer over large groups of people but they're not the ones you ever see. Cougar is elusive. It's the one behind the scenes who basically knows everything, and the chief looks to the cougar for advice. All humans look up to the cougar for advice, and these people are the ones behind the scene. When President Clinton gives a speech, guess who wrote it? A cougar, the last four presidents. It's the one that can be the president. It's a non-wannabe. It doesn't want to be the president. 
It wants to control things from behind the scenes. Very powerful. We just took a walk through the medicine wheel. Everybody, I didn't give you all the dates because that would have been a little bit confusing right off the bat. But basically, deer are Geminis, um, beaver people are Taurus, bear people are um, <laughs> um, da, 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 da. I don't know regular astrology, so I am in a problem. Um, sturgeon are Leos, and flickers are Cancer. Um, snake people are Scorpion, and elk people are Sagittarius. Otter people are Aquarius, um, and cougar people are. I forget. <laughs> anyway, that's the that's the medicine wheel. Definition of shamanism is people that lurk, work with the Earth Mother in the spiritual realms and put things together and make things happen. See, the Native Americans never did anything without very specific steps. Every beat of the drum, every stomp of the foot had particular meaning and effect to cause. In other words, if you want it to rain, there are certain ways to make it rain. Science is now beginning to understand why the Native Americans did these things and how powerful they really were. In our culture today, we're just beginning to touch on the fringe of understanding what powerful prayer is and the way it's been done. Because, see, mind is everything. Thought creates everything. We used to think that form, matter, caused f thought. The new concept that is coming out in the last 10 years is not only thought conceives, constructs, and becomes matter. Most people don't understand that. And most people, whatever they think about all day long, manifests in the form, doesn't it? You have to be so careful of what you think about because whatever you think about, if you think of lack, th lack is the only thing that can expand into your consciousness. There's a very simple term for that. If you go into a grocery store and you see a box of cereal, and on the top shelf it's Kellogg's Corn Frakes, $4.95 box. On the bottom shelf is a generic brand in a white box. If you look at the box, it says it is made by Kellogg's Corn Flakes, but boxed by someone, someone else. It's only $2.95. You can do two things. You can take that Corn Flakes box down here and say, this is cheaper, this is all I can afford, and you can put it in your box. What you've done is cause poverty in your life. You could take that same box of cereal on the bottom and say, this is more economically feasible. And with the money I save, I will put into my abundance. Now you've bought the same box of cereal, but you created abundance. All of that has to do with on how we behave, how we restructure our thoughts. See, when most people come to me and I'm talking to them about the medicine wheel and how the Native Americans were able to achieve 200 years with no wars, it was because everyone understood everyone else. Everyone was ordered from five years old to work on themselves. 
So it wasn't a phenomenon that this group of people called the Confederation, Confederation of Nations formed by Agana Wea, later to become Hiawatha, who was in charge of that regime, had no wars, as everyone was ordered to work on who they were. They had no concept of anger. Anger is not a human emotion, as you think. It is a learned emotion. In science, we call this precognital commitment. Pre because it's formed at a very early age, and con cognital because it has to do with our cognital senses, and it locks us into a reality. So if I ask you, did anyone ever make you mad, your basic premise is, well, of course. And I would say, who taught you such stupid wisdom? You get mad because you don't know how to process the event. And it's a lack of understanding how to process the event that makes you mad. No one can make us angry. We choose to be angry by the way we process the event. Taking responsibility is what humans need to do. We're very neurotic society. In other words, we want the world to be as we want it to be rather than celebrating as it is. And that's what causes all our problems. Matakiwasa in all my relations, I am you and you are me. I cannot hurt you because I would be hurting myself, right? President Roosevelt took this information and, and formed the United Nations from it. I respect your views, you respect my views, I wouldn't do anything to hurt you, you wouldn't do anything to hurt me. That's where the wisdom comes from. We've taken everything from the Native Americans. I'm not here to take their religion or think, I'm here to say that we need to get back to the connection to the whole not separate. You are the trees, the plants, and animals. And in my workshops and my seminars around the country every week, we talk about how to break down these barriers that keep us stuck. We basically think we're an anatomical frozen structure. You think this is real. This doesn't even exist. It only exists in the, in the vision of your mind. That's how Indians can shapeshift. We will find out as scientists that you didn't really turn into a deer if I'm chasing you into the woods. As I said before, thought is everything. You made me think you turned into a deer. How do you do that? When I was a little boy and we would go to the movies, whatever was playing in the theater is what we played all week. And in the school I went to, there was no black. <laughs> there was no brown people. Everybody was white, except for one boy named Dickie Flukaff, who was a Native American. He didn't even live in the, in the city where I lived, in Greendale, which was a very tight little community. He lived just outside. And when we was my best friend, I had an affinity for the Indians, even as a child. And we would choose up size, and everybody wanted to be the cowboys and the cavalry. No one wanted to be the Indians. So it was me and Dickie Flukaff against 10 or 12 others. His grandfather noticed that and says, you need to win your games. You have to become invisible. Well, I was open to that. You know, I was 10, 11 years old. I said, well, this is really be great. So he began to teach us how to become invisible so no one can see you. I didn't realize until later years what we were really doing. We always won all our games because you could walk right up to somebody and touch them and they didn't know where you came from. It's because of the way you used your mind. And we began to train working with birds, robins in the yard pulling on worms. He said, if you are to sneak up on a robin and a robin is pulling a worm out of the ground, you must become the worm. You must know what the worm tastes like. At first I thought that was a joke, but it isn't. 
if a robin's pulling on a worm, you must know how it stretches. You must become the worm. And as you're looking at that robin and that robin's looking at you, you can never have the thought of the robin in your mind. If you have the thought of the robin in your mind, the robin sees you. If you can say, I'm a delicious worm, I'm stretching, I'm juicy. If you can have that in your mind all the time, you can walk right up to a robin and grab it. If you want to sneak up on a deer and the deer is eating grass, you must become grass. You must know what the grass tastes like. If the deer switches to eat a leaf off a tree, you must know what that leaf tastes like from that particular tree and you must transform yourself into being the leaf. And if you can concentrate on being the grass or the leaf, you can walk right up to a deer and touch it and you'll jump 15 feet straight up in the air. Why? Because you're 99.9999% empty space and a 0.00001% of you that appears as matter doesn't matter because it's empty space. Everything is thought. That's how you shapeshift. You don't really turn into a deer. That's why people have a hard time with understanding how you can shapeshift. You made someone think. You've done it many times before. Your mother's doing dishes, just a complete example. She's scrubbing on a grease spot on the plate. You walk into the kitchen, you see her, she's having trouble with the grease spot and the sponge and the soap. You're concentrating, oh, she's having problem with that grease spot. She looks at you, but you want to get a drink of water. You walk up to her and touch her and say, I need a drink of water. She goes, Oh my God, where did you come from? You just scared the living jeevies out of me. And you said, oh, I'm sorry. You said, well, don't ever sneak up on me again. And you said, I didn't sneak up on you. You looked right at me. She said, I looked at you. I didn't see you. I didn't look at you. She said, yes, you did. You looked right at me. Why didn't she see you? You became the sponge and the soap. Because that's what you were concentrating on. Why? Because you don't exist. Every invention we have today is a basic overthrow of the superstition of materialism. If the wall, wall was solid, then TV waves couldn't go through it. Radio waves couldn't go through it. X-rays couldn't go through it. Why? Because it's just a few scattered molecules and some electrical charges. Remember Sir John Eccles who won the Nobel Peace Prize in neurophysiology. Said there are no textures in the real world. There's no beauty, no ugliness. There's no texture. What there is out there is a chaos of energy soup. And what do we do with that energy soup? We convert it into our human body minds into the perception of the world. You want to call the wind? You just have to learn how to do it. You want to make it rain? Sun Bear could make it rain whenever he wanted to make it rain. I've been allowed to call the wind. Not because I'm special, because I know how to do it. And I don't show off. I don't use it to show off. It's just something that spirit allows me to do. Even my artwork. I have no artistic training. I don't do it. I get out of the way. Anytime you interfere with what you're doing, you let spirit do the work. My whole life, I basically have had 32 different careers. And I always thought I was just really smart. I ran this, I did this, I invented the drip irrigation system for landscaping, I started AIDS testing when that came up. I'm not even a doctor. Spirit just would set me up in bed and tell me to do it. And from that point, I began to realize I never did anything. I've just been the vehicle. And I'm now the vehicle to bring this wisdom back so we can understand why we're here. Because if your only purpose on the planet is to love, to share, and help, and everybody's loving, sharing, and helping, we can't be warring, fighting, and arguing. 
It's so simple, but we have to understand who we are. A cancer cell in the human society is no different than a cancer cell in the body. It's a cell that's lost its connection to the wholeness, and in its confusion and anger, it gobbles up the cells around it, forgetting its connection to the whole, destroys the whole and itself. A cancer cell in human society, robbing, shooting, killing people in the street with no connection to what they're doing to other people, basically causes all our problems. We need to get back. Why are you here? What is your purpose? If your purpose is to love, to share, and help, and everybody's working on that, no one can make you angry, no one can take you, make you happy, you then understand the wisdom. And all you have to do is understand your power animals. So Indians went on vision quests. And then they would sit with an animal for two weeks, three weeks, and they'd watch every bit of its movement, what it did. And they said, you know, people born at this time really act more like a cougar, an elk, or a deer. It was a way of connecting from humans to the animals. It doesn't mean you look like a cougar if you're, if I say you're, you're carry cougar medicine or you're an elk or you look like an elk. It's a spiritual essence of that animal. It's where astrology began. This is a very progenitor of astrology before it came astrology, before it became confusing. And so Indians used this wisdom because they all connected to things of the earth. Even the plant that heals you, they know the people born at this time, if you're an elk, you're going to have trouble with your knees and your joints. And you also have trouble with mucous membranes, and the tips of the spruce tree used in a sweat lodge cleans out mucous membranes. Or the plaster from the black spruce, the pitch, helps you with your knees and joints. So there's a medicine for every problem. doesn't mean you can't have another problem. It just means this is the plant that heals that problem. And because they were so in tune to the Earth Mother, they learned all of this. Now we can get back to one of the things that they knew that no one else knew until 1992 is your stone. We wear medicine bags. What do you think is in a medicine bag? It's our stone. Our stone that heals you. Mine is moss agate. It's moss trapped inside of a rock is the healing stone for deer. Why? Because if you put an energy rating machine on my human body, the needle goes to 16.8 megacycles. That's the exact vibration of my human body when the people born in May 20th to June 21st. If it goes to June 22nd, it goes a whole different megacycle. People think that's amazing. How did the Indians know that? If I get upset, I lose my keys or, or get scattered, all I do is touch the stone. If I lose a word, I touch the stone. When I was talking on the wheel over there, and I said, I don't know, was a, was a Virgo, was a brown bear, that's one thing I forgot. I said, because I don't use regular astrology, it gets me confused. I've just been so ingrained with using this wisdom where it came from, I get confused. If I would have touched my stone at that time, I would have remembered what it was, but I didn't think about it. And so this is something that we need to train ourselves. We need to become more aware of what's happening and how we process our thoughts. So I vibrate to 16.8 megacycles. In 1992, we invented an energy rating machine to prove it. The Indians knew it 2,000 years ago. All we had to do was ask them. But why would we ask the Indians? They were just savages, weren't they? 
I mean, they were the only people that had 200 years with no wars. No other society ever accomplished that. And we're using their doctrine. That's where our United Nations came from. That's where our Constitution came from. But we're not using it in the totality it was meant to be used in. And we haven't had a week without a war. I want to have you tell me who's the savage. Are we the savages? I would think so. The Indians were beautiful people. They did nothing to, without asking, how does this affect seven generations from now? And we came and we forced our religion on them. We forced everything on them. We took their way of life from them. Even our government says, you can live on this land as long as the buffalo roam. Then what did they do? They sent train loads of hunters out to the plains to shoot all the buffalo. And then they took back their land. So right now, we're basically going into light beings. And every prophecy, whether it's the Hopi prophecy, the Philistine prophecy, the Bible, they all talk about the end of the time as we know it. The white buffalo was born in 1994. That is a signification of that great abundance, that there will be great abundance for the Native Americans. Not in the sense you think of abundance in money. It's an abundance that the Indians would appear dead in the dust for a hundred years or more. After that time, they would rise up again and people would come back and ask for forgiveness of what they've done to the Native Americans. Sunbear told me in 1991 when the white buffalo returns, it will be a signification of what you do is the truth. Sunbear perceived me as the white eagle. In many Native American cultures, he said, they, we all talk about the white eagle that will return. He will be blonde-haired and blue-eyed. He will walk amongst all people and teach them Indianness. And after he begins his, begin his teachings, he then will, a white buffalo would be born to signification the truth of those teachings. He told me in 1991 he thought I was that white buffalo. Sun bear passed in 90, I mean the white eagle. Sun bear passed in 92, and the white buffalo you know was born in 1994. I am making a shield for the white buffalo right now. But the significance of that, I don't perceive myself as a white eagle. I just perceive myself as an artist that's teaching people the connection to the wholeness. But what we do to the plants and animals, we do to ourselves. What we do to the beasts, we do to ourselves. What we do to the water, we do to ourselves. If you do not have clean air to breathe, I do not know where you're going to live. If you do not have food that is not polluted, I do not know what you are going to eat. We have to stop what we're doing, but man is not willing to listen. So what's happening is the earth is going to be cleansed. Two-thirds of the people will be removed from this planet in the next few years. Now, that's hard for most human beings to understand, but I will tell you, if you want to know about earth changes, move to California. Mother Nature has been screaming at the top of her lungs since 1987, which was the end of the fifth world. And now man is in charge of which way it's going to go. And everything that's been happening is getting greater and greater and greater every year. The Mississippi Basin in the last two years were completely flooded, wasn't it? Worst floods they've ever had in their history. Why? Because that area is being taken out. That's one of the areas where the Great Lakes is going to empty through that area. Chicago is no longer going to be there. And it's going to go all the way down into the Gulf of Mexico. There will be another waterway that will stand from the east coast to the west coast. What Los Angeles is now 
will be just a few islands left when the Earth makes its change. The new seafront is going to be Arizona. If you don't believe it, look at the new maps, all the people that visualize it and see it coming. It isn't crying wolf. This is going to happen. It's in the Bible. It's in everywhere. All we have to do is we know it will happen. And animals always know long before any human being knows it's going to happen. Why? Because every time you have an earthquake here in California, which we're sitting here right now in Los Angeles, is that the animals in the zoo are going nuts. Every time there's an earthquake, they write 18 hours, 24 hours, 36 hours before the earthquake, whatever it was. The animals in the zoo had this particular weird behavior pattern. Well, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to understand if it happens every single time. You put people in the zoo to study the animal behavior. When they have that behavior pattern, pick up the phone. It's not that heavy. Call up earthquake control and say, we're going to have an earthquake. You could save thousands and thousands of life, but no. Man isn't willing to listen because man is only sophisticated as instruments, and the instruments only tell us how big it was. It will not tell us when it's going to happen. Animals always know long before there's a flood, long before there's a rainstorm. All you've got to do is know the behavior pattern of the animals. And when those animals come to you, whether they come in a dream sense, whether they come in a physical form, or they come in a meditation, they're going to tell you what's going to happen in your life long before anyone else knows. We need to connect to this wisdom. We need to understand this wisdom. See, you're only a third order of evanescent energy. You stand far below ethereal space-time in the universal hierarchy. In other words, you are two-thirds less intelligent in awareness than your dog or your cat. Your dog and cat knows you're coming home long before you come home, even though you don't have a regular job. My wife would, didn't have a regular job. She went out and she did her, her work that she did, and she would come in at all times of the day. I'd be on the drawing board, and the cat would start meowing and go sit in the window. And about 20 to 30 minutes, my wife would show up at the door. I always knew when she was going to come home. The animals know. They just know. They pick up on pheromones. Pheromones are released in the atmosphere as substrate of thought. And as you breathe in and breathe out, you release these pheromones. That's a hundredth monkey theory. One monkey does something in one island 3,000 miles away. Another monkey who's never done that behavior pattern before begins to do that same behavior pattern. I start AIDS testing in California here, and someone's working on the same project I'm working on here in New York City, and we've never even talked. You, a, you mentioned vision quest. Can you explain what that is? Yeah, you go on a vision quest and you live with an animal. You study the animal and you watch its behavior pattern, how it, how it basically moves, what it does, and you take that and you say, you know, that acts more like a human being. That acts more like Charlie, you might see. Um, so you begin to understand a person simply because you have something to connect them to. You cannot understand a human being from a human being level because a human being is just a human being. There's no symbolism to connect him to who that person is. And he's walk around here in a show like this. You got hundreds and thousands of people walking around, no one showing you who they are. In Indian cultures, in front of every teepee and every shield was a, was a symbol of who you were. Everybody understood you. And I respect your views. You respect my views. Why? We wouldn't have shields if we weren't in harmony and balance. In fact, if you raised your voice, to your wife, guess what happened to you at that time period? 
you were kicked out of the tribe. Your children had no, no, no father, and your wife had no, no husband, and no one could do anything about it. That wasn't strict. You can't live in a, in a harmonious society be in, and be out of balance. Now, you could get back into the tribe, but you had to dissolve the dispute. But guess what? You couldn't dissolve it with the person. Why? Because it would cause an argument or a fight. The chief would come to you and say, Brother Elk, you need to go with a, live with a raven on a vision quest. When you truly understand what a raven does on a daily basis, then you can live in harmony and balance with your sister raven or your brother raven. What a beautiful way of dissolving disputes. And you learned it from five years old on, so why would you have an argument in the first place? You know those are their characteristics. You can't change that. You cannot change anyone. You only can change your perception and get in balance with it. And if everybody's getting in balance with who they are, you can't be warring and fighting. Just like on the talk shows we have. I need to get on some of these talk shows to talk on Oprah Winfrey and, all, and uh, whatever these people, um, Donahue or whatever, what's going on, they're always screaming and hollering at each other on a talk show. Why? Because they don't have a speaking stick. Why? Because you can only speak when you're holding the speaking stick. And around the fire, they would hand you the speaking stick. And you had an eagle feather on, which meant you can only tell the truth. And if you're holding that, that stick, you're the only one who can talk. You say your piece, everything you want to say, you hand it to the next person, they say their speak. There's no arguing. There's no fighting. That's a harmonious way of living. We all should do that in a family. We don't interrupt somebody trying to get our point across, wanting the world to be as we want it to be. Can't change anyone. You only can change your perception. And once you understand that, you're more in balance and you don't have to worry about these things. See, there is no way to happiness. Happiness is the way, right? We need to get, it comes from within. We're always looking outside for someone to change so you get better. I have many people call me from all over the country. I consult with them on their problems, what's going on, and they say, you know, well, I'm not going to believe this person's doing this and doing that, and everybody's doing this to me and something. I say, well, are you, so that's bothering you? And say, yeah. I said, okay, then you give me their name. I'm going to go work with them, and then when they get better, you're going to get better. It's ridiculous. You have to get better. You have to get in balance with it. Lady calls me up and she says, I can't stand it anymore. Brother Eagle Star. I said, What's wrong? She says, Well, you know, my husband, he's an alcoholic. And I said, Yeah, I remember you told me that. Well, she said, He comes home, he, he swears, he slurs his words all the time, he smells terrible. She says, I just can't stand it. I'm going to have to leave him. And I says, Okay, well, let's break out this scenario. Now, you call him an alcoholic. You keep telling me he's an alcoholic. You're thinking that he's an alcoholic. He can't be anything but an alcoholic because that's what you're thinking about. You're manifesting that. Now we have you, and you want him to be something that he isn't but what you're calling him. Let's see what's wrong with this picture. <laughs> he's doing everything I know an alcoholic is supposed to do. They slur their words, they stagger, they smell of alcohol, and now you want him to be something he isn't. Who's crazy here? He's doing what he is doing. You're doing what you're not supposed to be doing. You're the problem. If he's an alcoholic and you can't get along with him, you need to leave. You can't change him. You have to get in balance with it. It lets go everything. Oh, I see. It makes perfect sense, doesn't it? 
we have to be very careful of how we think, how we process our thoughts. And we don't like something, it's usually what we don't like about ourselves. If we're in balance with it, we're in balance. Indians worked on that constantly from early morning to late at night. Everything they did was a ceremony. Everything they did was asking permission. Even if you took a stick from the ground, you asked the Great Spirit, can I use this stick to heat my lodge so my family would stay warm, to cook my food? If you're going to get an animal, you went on ceremony. You went, you, you basically went on, on a hunger thus to be hungry, what it would be like to, to be hungry so you can get the deer. You have to perceive yourself as a predator if you're going to hunt. And it's a sacred thing, and you ask the Great Spirit to give you the animal. Remember, they had bows and arrows. I mean, if you, we have really high-powered rifles now. We have compound bows. We camouflage ourselves all. We sit in tree stands. We have scopes where we can see the deer way off in the distance, and we shoot them. Why? It takes us away from the killing. It, you don't know what it's like to take an animal and actually choke the breath out of that animal as it's looking at you. If you did, you wouldn't be eating meat. <laughs> we just go to the grocery store, it's all wrapped up. We have no concept of the pain and everything that went on. But even vegetarians, as you cut a vegetable, that vegetable screams. I mean, we've done tests on that. It makes a noise. If you cut it a certain way, it isn't. If you cut it on a different angle, there's no noise. <laughs> everything is living. Everything has the same right to life as you and I do. I don't care if it's a bug, if it's a tree or a plant. And when you can rip a blade of grass out of the ground and feel the same way about that as killing a rabbit, then you're truly in harmony and balance with the Earth Mother. It doesn't have to have cute eyes and be furry and cuddly to know that you are taking something from the flow of life. And if you respect it, it doesn't mean you can eat. It means you have to be in balance and in harmony with it. There's the difference between society today and the society then.